0: Ronnie here, patching this in after the fact. I'm re-uploading this episode with this information that I forgot to include in the proper episode because I'm a dummy, I'm a numb nuts, but this information is time-sensitive and I wanted to give it to you as soon as possible. So, Calvin over at the You Show Show podcast hosts a shitty film club once a month that I attended last month. It's online, obviously, and it was a blast and Basically, the film club votes on which film we watch, and I submitted a film called The Amazing Bulk, which is one of my favorite shitty movies of all time, and that won the vote. So I thought I would extend the invite to you guys, of course, with Calvin's permission to hang out and watch it with us. That'll be the 16th of December, this Thursday at 7 p.m. Central Time. That's 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific Time. And yeah, we, we watch it on Zoom And we talk over it, laugh at it, have a good time. And so I'll link the Discord for more information there to Calvin's Discord. And then the night of on Thursday, the 16th, he will post the Zoom link and we'll watch it there and have fun. So I'll also put the Amazing Bulk trailer in the show notes here. But yeah, very funny film. If if you like The Room, if you like Troll 2, you'll love the Amazing Bulk. Those three are kind of my trifecta, holy trinity of shitty films that are really funny to watch. The Amazing Bulk, basically, it's a ripoff of The Incredible Hulk, as you could probably assume, but it's it's mostly real actors, and, and none of them are very good, but it's all green screened, so all the backgrounds are like CGI 3D. It, it, it's just hilarious. I think it was financed by one guy, and, and he wrote it and everything. I don't think he acts in it, but yeah, just very enjoyable film. So hope to see you there. Check the show notes for more information.
1: This is a drum dance him? Dancing is forbidden.
0: Yoohoo, running crew! Welcome to Dancing is Forbidden in Aqua Teen Hunger Force Exploration. I am Ronnie on this podcast. I am watching through every Aqua Teen episode, one episode at a time. And this week, I am watching through season one, episode 17. Mail Order Bride. Mr. Shock?
1: Yeah, that's my name. Now fix my dinner. Hey, I paid half to you. Let her choose.
0: Mail Order Bride airing December 22nd, 2002. And even though this episode is a part of season one, It was not included on the Volume 1 disc. It was included on the Volume 2 disc, which contains the first half of Season 2. So we are officially entering territory of episodes I watched religiously growing up because I only had Volumes 2 and 3 growing up. So yeah, really excited to jump into this one. And the reason it was included on Volume 2 and not Volume 1 is they needed to make some more space for the extra features on the Volume 1 disc, which really aren't that many. I feel like they could have just left those special features off and included the full season, because the special features on the Volume 1 disc are not that great. But as always, before we get into the Aquazine episode, I got some other stuff to blabber on about. I am recording tonight in snowy, blizzardy Minnesota, and I have a funny story here. So yeah, I've been getting weather warnings since yesterday. Terrible blizzard outside right now, and... Unfortunately, my fiance had to go to work because she's a nurse, so she didn't really, you know, they didn't just decide to close down for the night. But I work at Target and these people fucking called me like, hey, do you want to come in and work a shift at the South store tonight? Because there's two targets in my town. Like, are you people fucking deranged? It's literally blizzarding outside as they call. Yeah, let me drive down there. I'll be there in two hours. Like, are you serious? Fucking weirdos! I sent a screenshot of that transcript because they left me a voicemail. I didn't pick up, of course. It's my day off. I'm not picking up. And I sent the transcript of that to my group chat with my work friends, and and they're all like, "Yeah, they asked me too. I'm I'm not doing that." One guy's like, "I live 30 miles away from that store. I'm not driving there right now." Oh my god, I can't believe they would even bother asking people. They're probably gonna get so many call outs tonight, anyways. They think people are gonna come in on their days off to to help out at a different store. Oh boy. Anyways. I want to give a thank you to everybody who tagged the show in their Spotify wrapped and who got the show on their Spotify wrapped. Really incredible to see Dancing is Forbidden as some of your guys' most listened to podcast of the year, especially since I started the podcast in like August. So that's kind of nuts. So thank you guys for that. It means a lot to me. You know, podcasts are very important to me because that's how I stay sane during my work week. So to know that other people are resonating with my own podcast and that I can give back to the podcast ecosystem, it feels great. And I appreciate you guys reaching out to me with that information. And of course, appreciate anybody who just listens, even if it's not your number one podcast. I like that you're spending time with me and that we can talk about this silly show together as one. And just a heads up, I'm always chilling for this website. If you like Spotify wrapped and seeing like what you've been listening to, check out lastfM. it's it's the same thing. They've been around for fifteen plus years. You can log every play you have on Spotify. you can manually log in your vinyl plays, your CD plays. Check out LastfM guys. It's pretty sweet. You guys may notice I sound a little different. I did pick up a new microphone because of all the Black Friday sales. So thank you of course. To the patrons over at patreon.com slash dancing is forbidden for supporting the show and allowing me to upgrade my gear a bit, um, something I wouldn't have done without your guys' support. So thank you so much. And now, next, I need to work on maybe sound treating my room a little bit because I'm sure you'll hear some of the echoes. Very sorry about that. I'll get working on it as soon as possible. But yes, thank you guys for allowing me to upgrade my gear. I was using some mic, I didn't know what it was before. Uh, My dad had given it to me, and, and there's no branding on it. I took it apart to try and see what kind of mic it was. It looks like a Shure SM58, but it's not. I don't know. It's just some Chinese knockoff, I guess, which was good enough. But this new mic should uh kind of stop some of the plosives from my mouth. You know, when I say peas and stuff like that, it shouldn't pop so hard. So hopefully you guys appreciate that, and I'm sure most of you probably won't even notice and don't give a shit. Anyways, I have a correction, kind of, for the previous episode of this podcast, PDA, where I covered, of course, PDA of Aquatine. In that episode, as of that recording, I did not know what an Adirondack chair was, okay? So when Shake says, they go to the Adirondacks, and he's like, oh, I, maybe I was just thinking of that chair I saw in that catalog. I thought it was totally random, but No. Adirondack is a kind of chair. I am not cultured enough to know that, but now I have been enlightened. So here's the story of my enlightenment. That episode came out Monday morning at 3 a.m. Central, like always, and I was taking a shower after work at probably about 6 a.m., and I'm listening to one of my favorite podcasts, Booyah 90s Now, and on their Patreon feed, they had an episode and they were talking about Adirondack chairs, and I'm like, wait a second. That's a chair, god damn it! And yeah, I was like, oh well, you know, you, you you live and you learn. And then later in the day, John Rocco DeFazio messaged me on Instagram saying, "Hey, like, just so you know, Adirondack is a kind of chair," and he he sent me a video of them, so I didn't know what they looked like. So thank you, John, for reaching out with that because yeah, I had just figured out, oh, this is actually a chair. That joke makes a lot more sense. But John kind of uh, reached out with a picture of it and all this stuff, so I I knew what they looked like. So I've seen Adirondack chairs. Didn't know what they were called. But yeah, that joke makes a lot more sense in that context. But still, PDA, 10 out of 10 episode, even without this extensive chair knowledge. <laughs> All right, so that's housekeeping Aqua Teen news this week. There is none, nothing I could really find worth talking about. But that's kind of to be expected since it's the end of the year. So what can you do? And before we jump into what was going on the week that this episode of Aqua Teen aired, I've got a few messages to play. Some, some things from the backlog here, I apologize. I've been getting a lot of impressions, and personations, and I've been able to play a lot of them. So, let's play a couple of them now. First up, we've got the Moonanites sending in a little something-something from over a month ago. So, let's, let's hear what they had to say back then.
2: Hello, I am Ignignocked, and this is Er. I'm Er. We are from the moon, and that is why we are called the Moonanites, because we are from the moon. We think your podcast is of good quality, with one exception that it is not about the moon. Who'd want to listen to a podcast not about a moon? That is why we will be podcasting our own moon podcast from the moon, and it will only be available to people who live on the moon, so you will not be able to listen to it. How do you like them apples? I hope you can feel this because I'm doing it as hard as I can. All right, goodbye like your podcast just make it about the moon.
0: Thank you Ignignoct and Er. I appreciate how um Er was played by what sounded like a little child. I could be wrong about that, but if so I appreciate that they didn't say anything inappropriate. <laughs> uh yeah, I'm kind of bummed because I was going to start my own podcast about the moon, but if somebody else is going to do it then probably shouldn't waste the time. Next up we've got Happy Time Harry, which I guess is a fan of the podcast, which I didn't expect. I don't take him Really is the podcast type, and I'm surprised he can even afford the phone to listen to the podcast. But let's hear what Happy Time Harry has to say.
3: Hey, uh, this is Happy Time Harry. Yeah, uh, my voice sounded a little bit deeper, just so you know. It's been a little while since that whole freak accident with the friend of meat. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, uh, I know you we cut out for you um i'm actually here working for um mcp bed. actually his new name is empty poo poo yeah uh, i don't know how that happens he, he he first i'm not sure what's going on in his head anyway dude just wanted to tell you that i listen to you on my work hours when i'm getting drunk uh melon shakers next to the um gentleman's club oh uh, yeah i listen to you And, uh, please, can you get a Happy Time dialysis machine for me? Because, uh, 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 I think there's something wrong for me, and I can't stop drinking. Bye.
0: Happy Time Harry, working at Melon Shakers, getting drunk all day. I don't think that's the best environment for him, and... Yeah, he, he needs his happy time dialysis machine. Maybe we should start a GoFundMe for him. I think that might be the best course of action. But all right, as always, thank you guys for sending in your voice messages. If you would like to send one in yourself, either your impression or your Aqua Teen origin story or just any Aqua Teen related anecdotes or anything you can think of, feel free to go to speakpipe.com dancingisforbidden is forbidden to send that my way. Check the show notes for the link there or you can just head to dancingisforbidden.com and find it that way. But all right, y'all, that's enough jibber jabber. What in the world was going on the week of December 22nd, 2002? Let's find out. Backpacking across New Zealand this week, right to the top of the box office, we have Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, bringing in a cool $82 million on its opening weekend here. I know most of you probably haven't heard of this film. It's pretty underground. So it's basically about like, magic stuff, you know, wizards, monsters, all that kind of cool stuff. If you're if you're into that kind of stuff, check out Lord of the Rings. You probably haven't heard of it, but I think you would like it. And little tidbit here, Lord of the Rings The Two Towers broke the Lord of the Rings The Fellowship of the Rings record of $47.2 million for the highest weekend debut in December. So breaking its own records here, Peter Jackson knows what he's doing. This isn't his first rodeo. And Lord of the Rings The Two Towers has no shared cast members with Aqua Teen Hunger Force, or the 2007 film that I could find. So spoiler alert, uh, you could assume this, that this is also next week's film, so we'll talk about it a bit more next week as well, with some more trivia and stuff. Also worth mentioning in terms of the television and film department, on the 23rd of December, so a day later, Finn Wolfhard is born, the guy from Stranger Things. And we talked about Stranger Things in the third episode of this podcast when we covered Bus of the Undead. But yeah, that, that little fella was born the day after this episode of Aqua Teen airs. Moving on to music. This week, looking familiar as all hell and making me thankful we are towards the end of this season because I'm tired of seeing these same three things over and over again. We have our Billboard Hot Number One single this week is Lose Yourself by Eminem. Billboard 200 Number One Album this week is Shania Twain's Up. Our Billboard Alternative Number One Single is All My Life by Foo Fighters. We've talked about all of these in previous episodes. Similar to the previous episode, I tried to find the number two single so we could talk about that, but it was Missy Elliott's Work It Again, same as the last time we did that. So I'm just going to leave music there, although we do have a music event on this day. Joe Strummer, lead singer, guitarist, and founder of punk rock band The Clash, dies of a congenital heart defect at the age of 50. So pretty young and pretty sad. The Clash, a very important band in music history. Moving on to video games... All we really have this week is Sonic Advance 2 coming out on the Game Boy Advance in Japan. Um, I haven't played this specific Sonic game, but watching through videos of it, it looks like, you know, any other side-scrolling Sonic game that you've played before. I grew up with a Sega Genesis, so a lot of Sonic back in the day. Honestly, I think I liked Sonic more than Mario. I did have Mario as well. I had a a Super Nintendo, I believe. So I kind of dabbled in both worlds, but... Yeah, I I don't know. I have a softer spot for Sonic, I think. I think the music is a lot better, and I like the fast-paced nature of it more than Mario a little bit. I actually have the soundtrack to Sonic CD on vinyl, and I never even played that game, but the soundtrack is just so damn good. I'm like, dude, I, I am happy just to own that soundtrack. Let's take a little listen. I don't know the the Mario soundtrack of course iconic you know I'm not disputing that and I, I don't fault anybody who would like Mario more than Sonic but I don't know I just something about that Sonic soundtrack always left an impression on me and it's kind of interesting I know Michael Jackson was gonna work on a Sonic soundtrack and then something fell through with it but it's rumored that he actually still did he just wasn't credited for it because of some contractual obligation or something like that so some interesting history there That. I don't know, exists in the Mario world. But all right, that's it for our pop culture this week. What are you going to see on Adult Swim tonight? Well, here, I'll tell you. How about that? At 10 p.m., we have The Oblongs with The Golden Child. 10.30 p.m., we have The Ripping Friends with The Ripping Friends Meet Dr. Gene Poole, a new episode. At 11 p.m., we have C-Lab 2021 with Stimutax, not a new episode. 11.15, we have Aqua Teen with Mail Order Bride, of course, a new episode. 11.30 p.m. we have The Brack Show with Feud. 11.45 we have Space Ghost Coast to Coast with The Justice Hole. At 12 a.m. midnight, we have Home Movies with Renaissance. Then at 12.30 a.m. we have Mission Hill closing out the night with Happy Birthday Kevin or Happy Birthday Douchebag. So really underwhelming this week in terms of new episodes. All we have is this Aqua Teen episode and then The Ripping Friends, which I still have not heard if anybody liked that show. So I'm assuming nobody did So really, there's only one new episode this week that anyone's going to be caring about. But again, end of the year. What do you really expect? Although, you know, TV shows would air new episodes around this time in wintertime when people aren't going outside. So a little strange. But yeah, that's our week in Adult Swim. The Oblongs, Ripping Friends, C-Lab 2021, Aqua Teen, Brack Show, Space Ghost, Home Movies, and Mission Hill. Solid lineup all around, albeit mostly reruns. But all right, we're warmed up. We know what's going on December 22nd, 2002. Let's see what the Aqua Teens are up to.
4: Check it out. Oh, check it out.
0: This week's episode of Dancing is Forbidden is brought to you by From Russia With Affection. Are you overweight, potentially unemployed, hairy, and or a milkshake? Well, From Russia with Affection doesn't care and does not discriminate. Order your very own Chechnyan bride today. Results may vary. From Russia with Affection will provide a bride, although the bride may steal your car in a hasty escape. This episode of Dancing is Forbidden also, as always, brought to you by the wonderful patrons over at patreon.com slash dancing is forbidden. And I would like to welcome our two newest patron members, both at the duffel bag of cash level, Cut to the Quick Games, as well as Low Effort Rob. I appreciate both these fellas signing up. Cut to the Quick being very kind to me on Twitter and Low Effort Rob, the host of Booyah Nineties Now, the podcast I've talked about a few times at this point on this podcast, so I appreciate both you guys signing up to that. And for five dollars a month, they are getting extra content, more of which I will be announcing at the end of this month. Ooh, what's it gonna be? Good news for most patrons. A little sticker update here. I said that I finally got stamps, so I was excited to get the stickers mailed out. However, I weighed the envelopes. And I'm like, hey man, these are kind of heavy. I don't want to have to put seven stamps on these to get them mailed out. So I went to the post office and I got all of the stickers mailed out except for two envelopes. The clerk said that they were a little too irregular, so I have to kind of repackage them. So most of the stickers have been mailed out. There's two that I have to mail out soon. I think I'm just going to split them up into two envelopes each so that I don't have to break the stickers apart and give anybody less stickers than anybody else. I would hate have to do that. So yeah, I hope those stickers find you guys well, and if you would like your chance at stickers, I'm still doing them, so feel free to sign up at the Patreon at patreon.com slash dancingisforbidden, or check the link in the show notes. Let's check out Mail Order Bride. I hope you're in a mood for a very romantic story. It's the most romantic Aqua has gotten yet.
2: Mail Order Bride from Chechnya? I don't worry.
1: See, I got that one covered. Premieres next Sunday at 11.15 on Adult Swim.
0: Mail Order Bride, premiering December 22nd, 2002, originally airing with a TV PGD rating for mildly suggestive content, but now airs with a TV PGDL rating for mildly suggestive content and infrequent coarse language. This episode featuring two brand new voice actors to the show, Rita McGrath as Svetlana, the mail-order bride, and guys, we finally have our first female Aqua Teen character. Now, back in Circus, there were some women background characters that were ripped from Scooby-Doo, but this is the first time a woman has a speaking role on Aqua Teen. 17 episodes in, we're there. <laughs> and I'm just going to say it up front here, this is Rita's only credit, at least according to IMDb, so I wonder if this is just a pseudonym Considering Svetlana just makes random noises for the most part, I doubt she's actually speaking any sort of real language here. She's just saying vaguely Eastern European sounding words. It's possible that this was just a friend of the show, somebody who wasn't really a voice actor, and they just kind of had go off with this Eastern European sounding language. And the reason I say that is because I've read before that, for example, later on in the, I believe the episode is called Super Spore, when that alien comes down that takes over Shakes mind and then it, it, it uses him to speak. It speaks in Japanese. I've heard Japanese speakers say that that he's not really saying anything, so that's what kind of makes me think is going on here, and I found a Reddit thread or some other thread online where somebody was asking, what is Svetlana saying, and nobody responded, and that person never found any answers, so I, I, again, I assume she's not saying anything. So again, my two theories here are it was a pseudonym, or they just had some random female friend of the show do some voice acting for this episode. And then our other voice actor is George Lowe, who I'll get into once we get to his part, but I mean... You guys probably know who George Lowe is if you're familiar with the Aqua Teen world, considering he plays Space Ghost among a million other characters in this early Adult Swim time period. So a little peek behind the scenes for you guys, a little bit of how the sausage is made. I loaded in the video file for this one into Reaper, the software I used to make this podcast. And instead of two stereo tracks, it's actually 5.1 surround sound. And that's how all of the Aqua Teen episodes are going forward. So it took me a bit to kind of get it working here because I was getting everything except for the dialogue. But now I figured out how to work with it. And it'll be kind of interesting the things I can do maybe in the future in terms of splitting up the dialogue and the background noise. But listening through just the background noise, because it was kind of intriguing just to watch that with the video feed, it really made me respect how much work went into the show, especially all the meatwad sounds and all that stuff. There's a lot going on behind the dialogue that really elevates the dialogue. Because if you listen to it just without the background noise, the FX, just the dialogue itself, it's not as good, you know? So so props to everyone who worked on the show, of course, but specifically. Here I'm talking about the background Foley artists and the uh, sound designers for the show because a lot of stuff went into it to make the finished product. Anyways, this episode, of course, airing right before Christmas and it is a Christmas episode. Kind of funny how it worked out here with the podcast because while we are not right before Christmas here, I'm currently recording this on the 10th, but we are close enough to Christmas in a way that works with these winter themed episodes coming up because I didn't plan it that way. I just started the podcast in August, and it ended up working that way, so pretty cool. But yes, because it was Christmas, this is a Christmas-themed episode. Of course, not in a traditional way, which I think is fun. It is Christmas. They kind of touch on Christmas, but the main focus is on the mail-order bride. But the Dr. Weird skit has to do with Christmas. That's why I'm explaining all this, so it kind of makes more sense. So we open to Dr. Weird giving Steve a present. It is a gift that is wrapped in red and green wrapping paper. And as Dr. Weird gives it to Steve, he puts himself into a protective cage. And the present turns out has teeth and it starts attacking Steve. So I'll play that. Not a whole lot, but I think it's worth playing because the audio is pretty funny.
1: Gentlemen, Merry Christmas to you. Hey, thanks, Doc. Wow, that's so sweet. Uh, come on out of that cage. L- l- let me give you a big old hug. Oh, God. oh yeah. Take it to the bank,
0: Daddy. Not a whole lot to say about this one other than just mindless mistreatment of Steve, which is always funny. I appreciate it. Poor Steve just wants to give Dr. Weird a hug for being so sweet and giving him a present. But as we know, the present was some sort of creation that attacked him. And you know, earlier in the show's run, that present maybe would have been under Meatwad's tree and it would have attacked Meatwad. We would have seen that present in the episode but here we didn't. That was it. It attacks Steve, and that's all we see of the gift, and there's really no conflict in the rest of this Aquatine episode, besides, you know, some, some minor domestic disputes, I suppose, but, you know, there's no sort of otherworldly thing or force involved in this episode. It's a pretty run-of-the-mill thing, besides, you know, the Aqua Teens being talking food products, but at this point, that's not really something that we consider as weird. So kicking us off into the episode proper, we get an establishing shot of the Aqua Teens house. But this time, there are little patches of snow on the ground, and the place is decked out in Christmas gear. There is a wreath on the door. There are Christmas lights all over the place, and my favorite little bit of the Christmas lights is there's just a jumble of it on the roof in a pile, so it's like they were trying to be fancy with it, trying to wrap it around certain things, and then just kind of gave up and threw it all in a pile on the top. And there are some snowmen out front, which look pretty good. And, you know, there's one with a hat on it, uh, a broom, the kind of typical snowman flair you would expect to see. And then on their garage door, there is a little drawing, presumably done by Meatwad, of you see a Christmas tree with presents underneath and a Santa Claus figure, a candy cane, what looks to be like Meatwad, a little brown thing, and then just some stuff underneath that, some little drawings I can't really make out. And last but not least, on the roof, there is a cutout of three reindeer but it fell over so all we see is like the silhouette laying down on the roof we don't actually see the side with the paint or whatever on it with the graphics on it but you can kind of make that out if you look at the image hard enough and then there's an error here that i noticed as well in that there is a ladder on the roof connecting the aqua teens house to carl's house and in other shots of the house later in the episode that is not there i think they forgot this here because there is a scene when Carl is trying to go from the Aqua Teens roof over to his house, because Svetlana, the mail-order bride, locks herself in, he's trying to get over there to break in, and I think they forgot to remove the ladder, because again, it is not shown in other shots of the house, even front shots of the house later on in the episode, it's not there, so they must have just forgot it here, and uh, yeah, you, you see it at the very beginning, there's the ladder going horizontally across the Aqua Teens house, that doesn't make any sense unless you've actually seen the episode. So that is our establishing shot. From there, we go into Meatwad's room where Frylock comes in to ask Meatwad what Meatwad would like for Christmas, and Meatwad hands over a piece of notebook paper, still with the frills on the left side like he ripped it out of a notebook, which, you know, sends me back to middle school days. You know, I haven't seen a real piece of paper from a notebook in years at this point, but yeah, that, that paper is also missing the whole top right corner that's all hastily ripped off, but what is on the page... It's a little bit hard to describe because it's Meatwad's childish drawings, but we see some sort of pink thing blowing something out of it, and there's a what looks like a cord on the bottom left side of it, and then on the bottom looks maybe like hay, so Meatwad will explain what those things are.
2: Santa's coming tonight, Meatwad, so I really need your Christmas list. And if you've been a good boy this year, Ugh. you might just get this... L. Shaped thing. No,
3: what that is, is a hairdryer.
2: You want a hairdryer? Look. Yeah. For what? You don't Keep have- Keep looking. Next to the hairdryer. This is a squiggle. No, that's hair. <laughs> you got a backwards, fool. So go get it. Come on, Meatwad. I mean, don't you want some toys now or I'm not saying
3: don't give me any toys, but I need that hair. Otherwise, no one's going to take me seriously. You okay. see
0: what I'm saying? <laughs> okay, I'll talk to Santa and see what I can do. Yes, you will. <laughs> yes, you will. So that's that scene there, and Shake will interrupt it here in just a second. But before I let that happen, I want to point out that there's a lot of background static noise on their mics. I wonder what was going on because I don't really notice it this badly in the show, typically. But here, it's really apparent that there was something going on with their mics Anyways, Meatwad reveals that he wants a hairdryer and hair, which, yeah, you would need the hair for the hairdryer to make sense. And he wants it because without hair, nobody takes him seriously. But he assures Frylock that he is still free to get him some toys otherwise. So, like I said, Shake is about to interrupt here, and he is in Frylock's room printing out an obscene amount of paperwork on Frylock's old sounding printer. You'll get that noise, but there's just a huge pile of that kind of that old printer paper that was all connected so you could print a bunch of sheets and it was all like one long thing so that's that's what shake is doing and you'll hear frylock's reaction to that
1: wait don't go anywhere what's wrong with their printer
2: oh well sometimes with larger documents it'll get holy hell (laughs) yeah tell
1: me about it you know i could chisel it into rock faster than this mail
2: (laughs) order bride from
1: chechnya i don't worry see i got that one covered it's my gift to me from me for being such a good boy this year, you see what I'm saying? Alright, well, Whoa. I'm
2: going to the mall to see what I can do with this. But boy, I hope I don't get too much sun in my eyes. I mean, ever since I lost my shades, you know. <laughs> those cool wraparounds. <laughs> They're on sale,
0: I think. They're pretty cheap.
1: Why are you wasting my time when you get out of here just go, man? Go!
0: Awkward silence at the end of that interaction, cause Frylock is not so subtly hinting that he would like those wraparound shades and Shake just not engaging on this and just kind of looking around the room. And as you heard, he told him just to go, trying just to push Frylock out the door because he was not going to get him anything. And I love that this is what Frylock wants. He just wants some sunglasses and he's so giving and so caring for Shake and Meatwad that Master Shake won't even consider getting him these probably cheap sunglasses. So besides Frylock's Christmas wish. We see what's going on here. Sheikh is getting himself a mail-order bride from Chechnya because he's been such a good boy this year, according to him. So looking into it a little bit, Chechnya is a constituent republic of Russia, and it is located pretty south. It's actually really close to the Middle East. So some interesting things here because... Chechnya is still wanting its independence from Russia. It tried to get it after the fall of the Soviet Union, but it wasn't able to. There have been a few wars in its recent history, uh, even after the fall of the USSR, of them trying to escape Russia's grasp, but they weren't able to. And most Chechens, people from Chechnya, speak their own language that is not related to the Russian language. And most Chechens are Muslim following Sunni Islam. So as you can Infer here, they probably don't feel very close to Russia, which makes sense that they would like to escape. So, you know, I'm giving you this information. You can maybe decide why Svetlana in this episode left Chechnya to go to New Jersey. And in 2006, the unemployment rate for men in Chechnya was over 60%. So, this episode came out in 2002. I could imagine things were pretty bad in Chechnya. So, of course, Makes sense why she would try and get out of there. So we almost have all of our pieces of this episode of what the plot is going to be. And again, you know, kind of goes without saying, because this is how most of the show has been at this point. But Matt and Dave just getting us right into the action, not dilly-dallying around like we saw in the earlier episodes this season. But there's one missing component to this plot, and we're about to see it. We're about to head to Carl's pool. Oh,
4: man, I cannot wait. And I got the oils, the candles, the works. Where does that babe get in? Carl.
1: Don't refer to her as a babe, please. She is a Chechenian prostitute and you will address well, look, her as such. Well, just don't
4: cash that check immediately. I mean, I want to make sure that both of us marrying her is going to be, you know, legal.
1: Of course it is. Are you kidding me? Santa Claus ain't legal and he's around. Yeah, well, I guess that makes sense, you know. Of course it makes sense. Look, Carl, you just go home, wash your face and your feet, shave your shoulders, <laughs> and you come on over to my house tonight. She'll be cooking for me. Oh, nobody. The only cooking she's doing Carl, tonight. Stop where you are. I know what you're going to say. You're going to make some lewd reference to cooking being like sex?
4: But you and I know <laughs> that she will be sizzling like fajita meat. Carl,
1: Carl,
2: yeah. please.
4: <laughs> oh, oh boy, that's rotten. I'm going to take <laughs> another shower before the
1: dirtiness. Yeah, why don't you take about five more? Well, <laughs> rather, why don't you try your shirt with sleeves if you got one, Romeo? We're walking down that aisle. Yeah,
0: tonight. There's the famous Carl. Yeah, tonight. So a lot kind of going on here. So in terms of the plot, it's revealed that Master Shake isn't getting this mail order bride by himself. Him and Carl are splitting the fees. They're splitting the costs and they're splitting the bride. They are both trying to marry her. And Shake seems to be in it for somebody to cook for him, which is interesting because, you know, they don't seem to have a lot of groceries in their house to cook with. And Carl just wants her to have sex with him. Before I move on with the scene, I'd like to point out here that you'll notice Shake is wearing some sunglasses. If you'll recall in the previous scene, Frylock said that he lost his sunglasses and now Shake has glasses on that I've never seen him wear before. So you know you can kind of put two and two together. A great gag here is of course there is snow all over the place and Carl's pool is frozen over but there is a small spot that they've broken through so that Shake can be in the pool. He's in his green floaty with his new sunglasses on. And yeah, he's just kind of floating in this one spot because the rest of the pool is frozen over, which in itself is hilarious. And then we have Carl outside talking to Shake, who is just wearing his normal outfit. He doesn't have a jacket on. He doesn't have a long sleeve shirt on. He's just wearing his... his Wife beater undershirts and his sweatpants, and they're just having a conversation when it's cold outside, you know, visibly, and they don't acknowledge it at all, which subtly enhances this already weird conversation that they're having. One last thing I want to mention about this scene, and it's kind of pointless to point out, but a little error here: we can see some sort of graphical glitch with a line going through the ice, and shakes green floaty like they just forgot to erase some stuff when they broke through the ice, I guess. It's especially noticeable when Shake is going up and down in the floaty, but you see the static line through the floaty. Anyways, to the content of the scene again, I, I like here that Sheik is the moral superior, and he is the one who's like, hold on, Carl, like slow down. You have to be respectful. Of course, he says, for the wrong reasons. He's like, she's not a babe. She's a Chechenian prostitute. But it's very funny how Shake is like, yeah, why don't you go take some showers and like wash your feet and all this stuff? I-, I love that he is kind of the more saner one here, when typically Carl is a little bit more grounded than Shake. Moving on to our next scene, because Carl goes inside to wash himself up for Svetlana's arrival, we go back into the Aqua Teens' house, where we see their Christmas tree, and this is just a drawing on their wall. In their living room that Meatwat did. There's a, a tree with a star on top and a red present. And then we see a bunch of stuff glued to it. We see a tennis ball, some ornaments, a toothbrush, a sneaker, and what maybe is supposed to be like some golden tinsel or something hanging off the wall as well. So this just looks disgusting. It honestly looks like boogers or something, but it's revealed in the episode that it's just glue. So it's not that bad. We also see they have a fake reindeer's head kind of on the wall too, which its nose lights up and this cord is going across the tree drawing. Oh, I forgot to point out too, there's there's also a carrot glued to the wall slash the tree. You'll hear a sound of ho, ho, ho in the background. That is coming from the reindeer's head. Every time the nose lights up, it makes that noise, which is really annoying and plays a lot throughout the episode. It's not too invasive into the scene but it's still there and i actually enjoy it though normally these kinds of sounds might annoy me after a bit but i think it works and it's pretty funny and, and they change it up a bit sometimes it's like a slower ho 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 other times it like starts to glitch and just goes ho, ho 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 like really fast like that so yeah you'll hear that and shake comes in he he wants to prepare for svetlana's arrival and he throws carl's azalea bushes into the aquatine's house saying that he got them some real christmas trees this year so i'll explain that up front and now we'll dive into this scene
3: yeah look at them ornaments too i use hot glue on them so they'll start forever
2: yeah
0: <laughs> thank god
3: so it be like christmas the whole year <laughs> now
1: what? what is this i tell you, i leave you for two seconds and you turn this house into your personal christmas dumpster what? This is our Christmas tree. Look, I got us a real tree this year, okay? Now stack them up and push them together, you little vandal. We gotta be <laughs> top shelf tonight. Ah, that's her. Look, Mary, damn it.
0: Shake instructing Meatwad and Frylock to push the azalea bushes together to make a coherent tree out of it. And I love that Miwad hot glued some things to the wall when they rent. They don't own the home, so they're just destroying somebody else's house, which is quite funny. Although this wood paneling, I can't imagine, is, is too expensive to have to replace, which it most certainly would need replacing once the Aqua Teens moved out. I love Frylock, sarcastic. Yeah, thank God when Miwad says that he hot glued them to the wall, so they're there forever. But yeah, not a whole lot to say about this scene. It's just setting up for the fact that Svetlana is here. We get a truck driving up outside. It's a semi-truck. And this will be the same truck that hit old Drippy, most notably in Episode 7 of Aqua Teen. But we've seen it since then as well. But yeah, that's its most infamous usage. But yeah, we see that truck asset again. Of course, low budget show. We're seeing a lot of same assets used again and again. And speaking of which, Bob Pettit really worked overtime on this episode because since it's their first winter episode, there's all sorts of new assets made in terms of the outside being snowy and there being Christmas lights up, and the Christmas decorations inside. We've seen so many new assets this episode, maybe more than we've seen any episode yet. I mean, I'm not counting them, but Meatwad's drawing of his Christmas list, and then we get some more assets later on when he gets those items from the Christmas list, but the sunglasses that Shake had on, the ice in the pool, all this sorts of stuff. There's lots of new assets this episode, and I was a little vague there. I should point out Bob Pettit only does the background stuff. I'm not insinuating that he... Made, for example, Meatwad's Christmas list, but I was just kind of going off mentioning all sorts of new assets. Anyways, the biggest new asset of all is Svetlana. We get our first female character in the show. Of course, now she doesn't speak with the characters really. She just kind of says her own stuff, and that's that. And as I said before, I don't think she's even really speaking anything. You know, I doubt she's speaking Chechen or Russian or anything. It's probably just vaguely Eastern European sounding. But yeah, we're about to get Svetlana. She is a blonde woman with pink lipstick on, a pink shirt. A choker-style necklace with a heart on it, and a mini skirt, and white thigh-high boots on. She's carrying a suitcase, a blue suitcase with some sort of light blue tag on it. And yeah, that's Svetlana. And, and and kind of funny here that she's wearing such little clothing when it's so cold outside. I assume all this wasn't really a deliberate decision; it was just a, a money-saving measure for everyone in the show. So I'm just gonna jump into the scene here, and we'll discuss it more on the other end.
4: Speak
1: English. Baby? Oh, God. Oh, you're so hot. Carl, will you get away from her or you're going to freak her out? Look at her. She's here. She's <laughs> so hot.
2: Oh, uh, God. Oh, fuck. We, Mr. Shuck?
1: Yeah, that's my name. Now fix my dinner. Hey, I paid <laughs> half to you. Let her choose. Pizza burger. See, it's a free country, baby. Come over here. Don't look at him. I'm the guy. Come over here. I'm hungry. She ain't coming all this way to do that in
4: America. Now we're civilized people here. Here, honey, just put this on and shake (gasps)
1: him. Hey, you speak English here! We're American now!
0: Quite a few visual elements to this scene that really elevate this scene and make it work, so I'll go through and try and describe some things for you guys. So first of all, she gets off the truck, and then she holds up a piece of paper saying, From Russia with Affection, so that's the company that Shake went through. This, of course, a play on From Russia with Love, the James Bond novel-slash-movie, And the paper says Shake slash Master, so his name is Master Shake, and just a bunch of fake Russian, I suppose, all over it. I I held my phone up to this text to try and get Google Translate to do its thing, but it could not find any words from any of this. So safe to say, they were just making stuff that looked vaguely Russian. The rest of the scene, you're basically getting Svetlana's facial reactions to what's going on because Carl is Carl and Shake is Shake, and she is seeing them for the first time And her expression just grows more and more shocked and disgusted. Until she makes just this hilariously horrified face. Your heart just breaks for her having to be here while Carl and Shake are fighting. And she doesn't know what's going on because, you know, she doesn't speak English, really, you assume. And her breaking point is when Carl holds up a pink, frilly clothes hanger with just... I don't even know how to describe this or what he's even holding up. It's just two little strands. Of some sort of material that are pink with yellow splotches on them. And she sees that and runs away and locks herself in Carl's house. Not really a whole lot to say about what Shake and Carl are saying. It's more of an extension of what they were saying at the pool scene where Carl is just sexualizing her and Shake is just asking her to make him food. He wants a pizza burger, which you know, you would expect her to not have any idea what that even is i mean i barely know what that is and i love both pizza and burgers so back to the clip svetlana just ran away she dropped everything and ran to carl's house and slammed the door so let's jump back into the scene for this final little bit to see how that plays out
4: hey don't be a sore loser now you you get it <laughs> when i'm done with her <laughs> hey 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 Open oh. this
0: damn door svetlana locking the door so from there, we go back to the Aqua Teens house where Meatwad and Frylock are putting together the azalea bushes to try and make a Christmas tree. Oop, oh, hold it. Just about dead. Merry Christmas, Meatwad!
3: Oh, shoot. Well, i go get that glue done. Did you just hear that? On the roof. Santa's is here, but not like you're asleep. <sighs>
0: The azalea bush is instantly falling over, as you can hear, and then as Meatwad wants to get his glue gun, he hears noise on the roof, he pretends to be asleep, but we'll see. It's not Santa, obviously, because it is daytime still. We cut to outside, where we see two ladders laid horizontally across the roof of the Aqua Teens house over to the roof of Carl's house and Carl is trying to walk across it on two feet too he's not even trying to uh use his hands in any way he's just trying to balance on two feet while Shake barely holds on to the ladder for support he's just kind of standing on it while Carl is walking across and Shake is reading some sort of magazine so he's not even watching Carl as this happens And as I said, as we began to dive into this episode with that very first establishing shot, this is where that ladder comes from, is from them trying to get over to Carl's house to get into the house because Svetlana locked herself in there. So again, in previous shots, we didn't see this ladder, but we saw it at the very first shot of the episode. So kind of funny there and kind of a big oversight. Interesting that this is how they're deciding to get into the house. I don't know why they don't just use a ladder to go up. To the window. I don't know why Carl is trying to get on his roof, really, because that will be difficult to get down into a window. But also, I mean, if he was quick enough, he could have just ran to the back door and, and gone through the back door. I assume that wasn't locked. But yeah, that's what's going on. So we're going to go outside and see what's going on up there. And then we'll go back inside to the Aqua Teens house.
4: Look, don't just stand on it now. You need to hold it. It's vibrating. I got it, <laughs> Chubby. I can do two things at once. No, you can't. Huey Lewis making a comeback. Put the magazine down and hold it with your hands. <laughs> I'm serious.
1: When you calm down, you'll
3: be
2: fine. Meet Watt. You can pretend to get up now. <laughs>
3: Oh yeah, sure, that was a good sleep that I had. Where's the damn presents?
2: It's the middle of the day, Meatwad. That wasn't Santa Claus, okay?
3: Well, right, you know, I maybe mean, Santa's just sort of getting a jump start on things this year. Because, you know, statistics, they show that there are more children in the world today. That's China's fault.
2: Where do you get this information?
3: We just... <laughs>
0: That sound you hear at the end is predictably Carl falling off of the ladders that they had roped together, very unsafe. And and when you see him, you know, because of the limited animation of the show, his hands are just up in the air, like, because he's mad at the time. He's mad at Shake for not helping any more than he is. He's not even putting his arms straight out to try and balance or anything. He's just haphazardly walking across these ladders. But after that initial Shake and Carl interaction on the roof, we cut inside where Frylock told Meatwad he could pretend to wake up now because that's not Santa Claus, even though Meatwad is still insisting that it is, even though there's no presence. And Meatwad says that Santa was probably getting a jumpstart on things because there's more children in the world today, and that's China's fault. Frylock says, where do you get this information? And then Meatwad says Regis. That would be Regis Philbin, host of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, I assume is specifically what is being referenced here. You know, Meatwad just watching a game show and learning these random kind of facts because who wants to be a millionaire did have a big run in 2001 so that would match up with the time frame of when this episode was being written although regis also had his own talk show at the time with kathy lee so maybe that's what is being referred to here but i feel like either one is a safe bet because they were both popular around this time and useless fact but i'll bring it up anyways So the final episode of Family Guy that aired at this point was Family Guy viewer mail number one. And Regis Philbin was a guest voice actor on that episode. That was the final episode to air of the original Family Guy run before the show was canceled and brought over to Adult Swim the following year. So Carl falls off the ladder. We're going to jump to that outside where we see his neck is horribly bent up. You can just tell that it is clearly broken and it is a miracle that Carl is still alive let alone speaking and conscious. <laughs> and while Shake is checking up on Carl on the ground, Shake uses a ladder to get down off the roof which is kind of funny. We see Svetlana in the window, she's looking outside to see what's going on, so you'll hear them refer to that as well. Damn it.
1: You're all right. No, don't worry about me. I felt two stories. I'm fine. Fine. <laughs> Cuz it did happen on your side of the lawn. Remember hey, shut up. There she is! She's looking at us! Hey, you get right down here and boil me some sausages. Don't, don't scare her
4: away! Bye, <laughs> baby! Hey, look,
1: look what I did for you! I hurt my neck! <laughs> you know I love you! We! We love you! We're Americans! Shut up, come.
4: <laughs> It's working!
1: Yeah! Yeah, I
4: may have laid it all a little thick there, but uh I think I may have sweet talked her into coming down here. Crap.
1: Well, I guess I can go home and look forward to starving to death for
4: Christmas. Wait, where are you going? I think I need some help here. Yeah, I
1: know
4: you do. You get back here!
0: Carl and Shake notice Svetlana in the window watching them, so they try and coax her into coming down. And she leaves, they think it worked, but then she comes back with a big piece of plywood and nails it over the window so she doesn't have to look at them anymore. Which I like the idea that Carl just had a piece of plywood laying around his house. I wanna point out that Svetlana is holding the letter that she arrived with, the From Russia with Affection letter. And I went back and looked at her other animations and it seems like she was always holding it in every scene except for when she drops it and runs away, which very nice animation on that running away cycle that she had when they first showed her. But yeah, I assume this is some sort of cost cutting measure. It doesn't make sense that she would be standing there with the paper in her hand still, considering she dropped it too when she ran inside. So why does she have it back again? Who knows? Potentially, it's a different paper, but I would assume not. Lastly, I want to point out after Shake comes down from the roof, we see the ladder on the Aqua Teen side of the house going down to the ground, as you would expect if he came down from the roof. Well, we see another ladder up against Carl's house, which they should have just done in the first place. Although I don't know. I don't know how that ladder got over there. I, we didn't hear it. It doesn't make sense that Shake would have enough time to put it there, but that's where it is. Carl lying on the ground with his neck. Brutally broken and Shake just leaving him there. You know, we could already tell that Shake wouldn't care. And we did get the little back and forth of Carl saying, I fell two stories. I'm fine. And Shake says, good, because it did happen on your side of the lawn. Remember, which uh, we see him lying between the two lawns. But Carl's neck is on his side of the lawn for what it's worth. Anyways, Shake leaving Carl there, not giving a shit. He's talking about how he's going to starve this Christmas so we cut back to the Aqua Teen's house meatwad is asking frylock if he can open some presents but there's a little problem
2: can i open a present well sure it's christmas eve why not
3: well because i ain't got no present <laughs> that's why not
2: oh well santa hasn't come yet
3: for that old fat man better get his ass in do. because i ain't got nothing under this tree and i don't want that toy train i thought you wanted hair hair <laughs> no toy train now. The Santa gives me some hair. Where do you think it came from? It came from an elf's head. That's what Regis says. Look,
2: let's
0: just talk about this after we...
3: You're out of your mind if you think I'm recycled elf hair.
0: Meatwad has changed his mind. He doesn't want hair anymore because Regis says it's recycled elf hair. I really don't believe that Regis would ever talk about that, but that's what Meatwad heard, and yeah, he wants a toy train now. This presumably throwing a wrench in Frylock's plans, since you know, he's getting Meatwad as gifts, and you would think it's Christmas Eve, he's already gotten Meatwad the hair and the hairdryer. And I'm sure any parents listening have probably dealt with this, at least one of you guys, because the kid thinks that Santa can just get the kid whatever they want at the last minute, but really, you know, the parents had to get that ahead of time, and it just creates issues. I'm sure it happens plenty of times, or maybe you've done it to your parents as a child and didn't realize the implication of what you were doing. We get a little glimpse of this scene when the camera pulls back and we see the kitchen hanging above the door frame. to the kitchen is a stocking with a little crudely drawn meat wad on it that is very cute. And we'll get back to that later because we'll eventually see in other shots all of the other Aqua Teens on their own stockings in this similar cute crude style but not in this scene quite yet. The last visual thing I want to mention here is that we see all the azalea bushes are hot glued together in a similar style that the ornaments were hot glued to the wall previously. So this just looks disgusting because you have a bunch of small bushes with this nasty green goop all over them, holding them together. It's just a gross sight and very, very silly. Shake previously said that he's going to starve for Christmas, but now Frylock said that they'll talk about Meatwad's presents after they eat. So, you know, there's got to be something planned here for them to eat. And you might have caught at the end the sound of a door opening. That is Shake entering the scene. So let's jump back in and see what Shake has to say.
1: Well, there ain't gonna be no dinner this year.
2: What
0: happened to your girlfriend? I thought she was gonna cook.
1: Co-fiancé. <laughs> Let's get it right, please. Co? Yeah, co, I said it. I split her with Carl, so he's co-owner. Get it?
2: You're depraved.
1: I know, thank you. <laughs> I think she sees that quality in me,
3: but that Carl is so damn selfish. Carl should remember the reason for the season.
1: Yeah, the reason for the season is pleasing. And I haven't gotten too much pleasing. <laughs> and Carl had better get his ass with the program.
0: So we heard a door open. That's Carl entering the scene. Before that, I want to point out, Frylock says that Shake is depraved in this scene, and Shake says, yes, thank you. And I think she saw that too, referring to Svetlana. And the joke here, obviously, is Shake doesn't know what depraved means, which is very funny. He thinks it's a compliment. I like the way that we see these two storylines, the mail-order bride storyline and just the normal Christmas storyline, interacting and playing with each other a lot. We constantly have them intersecting with you know Meatwat thinks he heard Santa on the roof when shake and carl were trying to get across the roof and now shake is back inside we just keep cutting back and forth and and it's just really smart writing from Matt and Dave on this one i'm really enjoying this more than i did as a kid i want to shout out the line shake saying the reason for the season is pleasing and he hasn't gotten any pleasing and for him pleasing is simply somebody cooking for him which i mean it it works for shake's character but we don't really ever hear him talking about food a whole lot at this point so Kind of coming out of left field, but somebody wanting somebody else to cook for them isn't too crazy of a thought for anybody in the world. So we heard the door open. Let's jump back in. We have Carl entering the scene. This time he's wearing a neck brace, so he got patched up pretty quickly, it seems, because you know, if you think about the timeline of things, Shake just came in from outside and it's been, what, 60 seconds and Carl already has a neck brace on. But yeah, let's see what Carl has to say to Shake after he left him there with a broken neck. And then was just now smack talking him
4: get with what program cop? oh hey carl how you doing boy that's a beautiful
3: tree there well, you need to see it lit up here let me plug around
4: <laughs> <Well>, no. <laughs> perfect now you can keep them hey Prime man you think i could get you to bring your lazy eyes out here and uh blow a freaking hole in my wall
2: what's wrong carl
4: well for starters she's barricaded herself inside my house <sighs> And every time I knock, she screams at me in this, like, language. It's like some demon yelling at me or something.
3: <laughs> well, Carl, it's bad luck to see the bride before a wedding. That's natural. Right. <laughs> oh,
4: me, Man. She does not want to see us during the wedding. She wants to do the whole shebang to the wall.
3: Well,
2: at least she still wants to go through with it. Yeah, you you can quit trying to be so positive. This sucks, (laughs) and you know it. I don't know, Carl. Maybe you two should just sit around and...
1: My future too, please.
2: You three should just postpone this wedding. No way.
1: We will lose the deposit on the DJ. Yeah,
2: he's right. We're doing this thing first thing tomorrow. Well, Okay. Until then, I guess you can sleep here
0: tonight, Carl.
4: <laughs> Wake up with some disease? <laughs> no, thank you. you get me up at 10. I'll be sleeping in my car.
0: Carl enters this scene responding to Master Shake, who didn't know Carl was eavesdropping, saying, get with what program, Cup? That's the second time this episode that Carl has referred to Shake as Cup. And I think previously the only other time this had happened was when Ignignacht called Shake Cup in episode 8 of this season, Revenge of the Moonanites, when... The Moon Knights are in Carl's pool with the foreigner belt, and Shake runs up wanting to use it for himself. Anyways, back to this clip. You heard that they plugged in the tree, the azalea bushes all glued together, and that created a spark, which lit the trees on fire and then started a little fire on the fake reindeer head that is saying, ho, ho, in the background. And that's when Carl says, oh, you can keep them now or whatever, because obviously he doesn't want his burnt bushes back. We had some good back and forth between Carl, Frylock, and then Shake joining in. In the background while all this is going on, Shake goes to the kitchen and gets a hot dog and puts it on their phone, this being the same asset we saw in Old Drippy Episode 7 when Shake is eating the weenies off of the satellite dish with the phone because there were no utensils, no plates, anything like that. So that's two assets introduced in Old Drippy that I've counted so far with the truck at the beginning when Svetlana is dropped off, and now this phone with the hot dog on it. We also finally got a glimpse of the other stockings with Frylock and Shake on them. Just both very cute. I'll post a picture of those on my social medias at some point, just so you guys can see if you're not watching along with the podcast or whatever. Any crafters out there, maybe you want to recreate these and sell them on Etsy or something. I think that that'd be pretty popular. I also want to point out Carl asked Frylock to blow a hole in the side of his house so he can go inside to see Svetlana. I don't know why he doesn't just break a window or go to the back sliding doors and just break those open. I don't know why he uh, his anger brings him instantly to blowing a hole in the wall, but there are certainly slightly cleaner options. But all right, plot-wise, it's established that they're going to do the wedding tomorrow. They're going to go through with it. So Carl refuses the offer to sleep at the Aqua Teens' house. He's just going to sleep in his car. From there, we get a time lapse seeing it's going from day to night. Again, it's Christmas Eve, so it's about to be Christmas morning. And we get a schooly D transition, which we haven't gotten in a little while. Our last one being Dumber Days, episode 14. And during this time lapse, we get a nice animation of all the lights are lit up outside the Aqua Team's house moving back and forth. And then quickly you'll hear like a ho sound. And for a brief frame, there is a little Santa Claus visible on the roof if you can pause your episode at that exact moment you'll see it so that's that it's established it is now christmas morning and we open to Meatwad opening his presents and boy what a haul of presents he's gotten this year he got his hair he got the toy train he wanted he says he gets the hair dryer but we don't ever actually see one in the episode I, i scrubbed through every scene here and did not see a hair dryer anywhere Anyways, the hair he got is kind of a blonde, curly wig that looks very silly on him that he will wear for the rest of the episode. All
3: right, I got hair on a hairdryer on a toy train. This is the best Christmas ever.
0: Merry Christmas, Meatwad.
3: Hey, uh, what, uh, How do I look? Do I look
1: professional? <laughs> hey, well, what did I get, guys?
0: Meatwad just wanted to look professional, and... I'm going to cut this here because we get a few seconds of silence. Shake asking, what did I get, guys? And nobody says anything. And you just hear the ho, 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 ho in the background. So I'm not going to make you guys listen to silence. We'll cut through that. The train Meatwad got, though, I forgot to mention. It's a nice electric train set. So that's very cool. He can play with that, although we don't actually see him play with it because that would just be more animation. Moving forward with the scene, Meatwad suggests that Frylock opens his gifts that Meatwad got for him, but they are homemade because. Meatwad doesn't have any damn money. So he gives Frylock the sunglasses he wanted, except it's made out of sticks and pine cones, and then they spend a while riffing on that.
3: Frylock, open that one up!
0: All right, let's see what we get here. You'll
3: love this, too. I made it, because I don't got no damn money. Yeah, brother!
2: Wow! <laughs> oh. A bird feeder. No, those are them <laughs> wraparound sunglasses you've
3: been wanting. Aren't you excited? Oh.
2: <laughs> well, thank you, Meatwad. And I made them all out of stuff that came out of the yard. <laughs> glue I'll wear them the second we go outside. <laughs> why don't you try them on now? You know, <laughs>
1: Yeah, why don't you try them on before you put them in the attic next to your bark shoes? And all that other stuff he made that you hate. You put
2: that <laughs> stuff in the attic?
0: No, no, no. I love these. I really do.
1: How about that computer he made for you out of leaves? <laughs> that was the best. <laughs>
0: Very sweet of Meatwad to at least try and get something for Frylock. You know, he made it himself out of materials found in the yard. He doesn't really have any other options, so I can't blame the guy. Shake is just laughing and trying to make the situation worse by bringing up the stuff that Meatwad has given Frylock that he put in the attic, which is you know, contradictory to a future episode, but regardless, at least Meatwad got something for Frylock. He thought of Frylock. Shake didn't care at all about Frylock and didn't attempt to get him anything, and, and he's the one who stole Frylock's glasses anyways, as we saw earlier in the episode. That's really all there is to say about that scene, honestly. So you heard the door open at the end of the clip. That is Carl re-entering the scene now, since it is the next day, and it's time to get married. Carl wearing a very 80s white tux alongside a bow tie over his neck brace, which is stretched out similar to how Shake wears clothes that have to be all stretched out over his big body. The tie and Carl's cummerbund, both purple, with colored flowers on them. This also adding very much to the 80s aesthetic of his outfit.
4: Okay, I'm awake. Let's, uh, friggin' go get married. Oh, yeah, brother. <laughs> Let's get married. Yeah!
0: <laughs> Good to see Carl excited here. And this one of those rarer episodes where Carl and Shake are working together even though they keep bickering amongst themselves. Everyone leaves the Aquatine house and they head over to Carl's house. We are in the hallway outside of Carl's bedroom door and... The walls are a purple color, and the carpet is rather orange in color. The paint on the door trim, which is white, as well as the paint on the walls, both chipped in some parts, so, you know, it, it's obviously a worn area, similar to Carl's bedroom to an extent. And other than that, not a whole lot to this background. It's, it's very simplistic. No props or anything in it. I appreciate the music that's playing here, because we usually don't get this kind of background music in Aqua Teen that's not, you know, hip-hop or something. So it's nice to have this sweet music going on While this very strange scene plays out So Carl and Shake are getting married to Svetlana She is in Carl's room with the door closed and locked They're getting married through the door Frylock is officiating the wedding And Meatwad is just standing there along for the ride
2: And to you, Svetlana What
4: does it say? Look, just say Smith or Jones or something There's no way you can pronounce (laughs) that right Svetlana
2: Smith, take Carl Just say Smith again, it don't matter None of this matters. Smith, to be your lawfully wedded hey, husband. whoa, whoa, to whoa, honor, whoa, Back up. Rewind. Take Carl and Master Shay <laughs> to be your lawfully wedded husbands as long as you three shall live. Sam себе колбасу
3: вари, не стану я тебе готовить.
2: All right. Yeah. And
1: score. Sweet
4: nectar.
2: <laughs> okay. Now shove the ring under the door.
1: No, we're not doing the ring. I'm not getting roped in all that. How can you not have a ring? No, it ends here. I haven't seen food once since she's shown up.
2: He's right. Let's do this thing. Light this candle. <laughs> by the power invested in me by the state of New Jersey, I now pronounce you men and wife. You may now kiss the door.
1: Blow it open, Frank. <laughs> do it.
0: So we get the iconic Carl line of it don't matter. None of this matters. Carl himself realizing how stupid this is. He kind of knew from the beginning this was illegal, but Shake somehow talked him into it. At the beginning in the pool scene, Shake's like, well, Santa's illegal and he's around. And and Carl reluctantly decided to believe that. Funny, though, how Frylock always kind of forgets or just chooses not to acknowledge that both Shake and Carl were marrying Svetlana. So he goes to just marry Carl and Svetlana, and then Shake has to step in like, whoa, what about me? You know, this is, that both of us are marrying her. And Shake here wearing a black tie and black cummerbund, but both are attached to him via bungee cords wrapped around his body, which is a great look. Frylock instructs them to slide the ring under the door, but they reveal they don't have a ring, both for their various reasons. Shake hasn't seen food, and Carl hasn't gotten to have sex with Svetlana yet. And then as Frylock finishes officiating the wedding, we hear the sound of glass breaking, and then we hear a car starting while they're kind of finishing things up there. They very quickly proceed to go downstairs and come out the front door because this is almost instantly they're walking down the front door when Carl's bedroom is upstairs. But yeah, they walk out the front door and see Svetlana in Carl's car. She, she broke Carl's window and then descended to ground level via bed sheets and other linens that were tied together into a makeshift rope. And then she hotwired his car, presumably, or Carl just left the keys in there since he slept in there overnight. And she takes off skidding across the road in the car, getting the hell out of there. Funny error here, as they are exiting the front door, Carl isn't walking or moving. His image is just sliding across because he's wearing this outfit now, so they don't want to animate him in the new outfit. So the, the image of Carl in this tux just slides out the door. So, Shake and Carl are going to react to the fact that Svetlana just took off. Let's hear their reaction.
3: Svetlana, baby. Great. Great. Oh, man. So she got the car. Well, technically, it's half hers now, right? <laughs> or a third, I don't know.
0: So, I want to point out here that Frylock is not present in this little bit at the end of the scene. He did not seem to come down, which makes me wonder what exactly he's doing right now. We have Shake, Carl, and Meatwad out on the lawn. Where's Frylock? What's he doing? Anyways, that basically wraps up the bulk of the episode, but the episode is not over. We now move on to what is probably the most extensive ending to any Aqua Teen episode yet. Normally at the end of the show, they're all just hanging out in the pool, kind of discussing what happened, wrapping things up. We're about to get a brand new character in the last moments here and some new music and some new assets and all sorts of stuff. So even though the episode is almost over, there's quite a bit more to talk about. We have George Lowe about to enter the scene as a wedding DJ that was hired for this wedding. So I'll play some of the clip and then we'll talk about it afterwards. Introducing my new Mr. and Mrs. Brutowski. Bratana
1: and Adalusky, <laughs> And you get the hell out of here. No way. You are staying. <laughs> we got him till two.
0: So that is George Lowe, voice of Space Ghost on Space Ghost Coast to Coast, alongside playing himself as various characters on Aqua Teen. And he also played Dad on Brack Show. George has since popped up in a ton of other Adult Swim shows, such as Squidbillies, Assy McGee, Robot Chicken, Perfect Hair Forever, all sorts of stuff. I mean, he's he's everywhere. And, you know, since he voiced Space Ghost, he's basically the reason Adult Swim is a thing. So we see he's the wedding DJ. It's funny because he's set up in the Aqua Teen's lawn at the moment. He has a table set up with a purple cloth over it, and there's a sign that says Weddings by George on it. And then there is a green lava lamp, two speakers, one set up on each side. There's also a disco ball lamp on the desk and what looks like a strobe light. And then there's two turntables for our audio experts. No mixer here. So interesting how he would DJ without a mixer. We also see one of the cords is not plugged in somewhere. I'm not sure what that is supposed to be. But yeah, we have what looks like George Lowe somewhat with a purple bow tie on and a pinstriped suit. So that's all there really is visually here. I really like how George mispronounces Carl's last name, which has not been spoken up till now. It is Bertana but George just says, Mr. and Mrs. Bertowski, which is funny since I've probably mispronounced damn near every listener's name on this show. So I can relate to George. He's enthusiastically trying to say it the best he can. Funny note here, when I work on these episodes, I have the subtitles up in a document so I can kind of follow along a little bit and remember quotes and stuff like that. And they misspelled Bertana and They put it as Portana Notolewski, and they had George say, Mr. and Mrs. Portowski, so they're going with a P instead of a B. Interesting. Although, my bad, he actually does say Mr. and Mrs. Portowski, so Shake is taking Carl's last name here, I guess, which makes sense because he doesn't seem to have a last name of his own. So Carl is angry because his car just got stolen, his window got smashed. All this was for nothing because Svetlana has fled, and he tells George to get out of here, but Shake's like, well, we have him till two. So we're going to move the party inside now, inside the Aqua Teens house, and George will be DJing in there while Meatwad dances along, and for some reason, Carl hangs out on the dance floor. I would have assumed he would just go home, but he wants to hang out, I guess. And before we jump into the scene, I'm trying to think, you know, like, how much would it cost? Because wedding DJs are expensive to begin with, I assume. You know, you have a wedding DJ come out on Christmas? during Christmas Day, that's got to cost a pretty penny. I'm surprised they could afford this. And I'm surprised they even did it to begin with. I am getting married next year uh, in June. And we're not going with the DJ route. We're just going to plug in a phone with a playlist on it. But, you know, hey, the DJ's job is to get people up and dancing. So we'll see how that works out. I, I think I think we'll manage without a DJ. We're having a small wedding, so it shouldn't be too hard. Anyways, like I said, we move into the Aqua Teens house. This whole scene... Shake is just sleeping on the floor in the kitchen. And we don't actually see Frylock, so for all we know, Frylock is still roaming around Carl's house, kind of an oversight there. You kind of wonder where he went, and you'd think he would be hanging out at this party, but we don't see him. Anyways, yeah, like I said, Meatwad's dancing, and Carl is just standing there. Okay, we're rocking around the Christmas tree. Any requests? How about you and the neck brace? Yeah,
4: it's a request. Hey, shut up. Okay.
3: <laughs> Couples only. Come on, this will get you dancing close. (laughs) Carl, I know you're hurting. And if it makes you feel any better,
0: Merry Christmas.
4: What is it?
3: That's a stick.
4: Oh, good.
0: (laughs) The classic Carl ending of him, him being sarcastic. Oh, good to Meatwad giving him a stick with a little bow on it. Nice of Meatwad again, but this effort a little lazier because it's just a stick. He didn't actually try and make anything of it. I'd like to point out when we first jump into the Aqua Teen's house with George there, in the background, we see what looks like a nativity scene, which is, you know, the, the scene of Jesus' birth, but there's also like some sort of wrestling action figure just standing there. Really understated thing I'm surprised they even made because you see it for half a second, but I appreciated it nonetheless. And I hope you guys do too. The last thing I can really think of to say about this scene before we jump into my thoughts on the episode as a whole is George, first of all, who's being hilarious because he, you know, he's doing this this great announcer voice as everyone's kind of depressed except for Meatwad. But George says, oh, this one's for couples. It'll get you moving. But it's just a silly Christmas song done by Schoolie D. So <laughs> yeah, kind of, kind of a weird couples only song. But I guess that's to kind of hammer home the point that none of them are in a couple because Svetlana left. But I will play this song as the outro to the episode. So you'll hear that full song or at least what we were given of it at the end. Going back to the beginning of the dive into this episode, like I said, since everything is in 5.1 surround sound now, I can actually take out George Lowe's vocals and play a little bit more of that song for you guys to hear at the end. So that's Mail Order Bride. Yeah, this is the, the episode that kicked off the volume two disc, the disc that I had. And honestly, growing up, I was never that crazy about this episode. And diving into it now made me appreciate it more it's definitely one of the smarter episodes that we've seen so far. I like the way that the A plot and the B plot keep interacting because we have, again, Carl and Shake with Svetlana, and then Meatwad and Frylock are trying to celebrate Christmas and those kind of intertwine and play together. I love the little visual joke we get at the beginning when Frylock says he lost his glasses and then we see Shake wearing them later. We don't get a whole lot of those in Aquatina, at least not up until this point. So that was fun to see. And something I didn't really notice, I, that that's the big thing with this episode for me, is I noticed a lot of stuff for this podcast that I'd never noticed before. I've seen this episode so many times, because as I've said before plenty of times, I, I just had that disc on repeat, you know, I'd fall asleep to it every night and, you know, always watching it, and I never picked up on a lot of this stuff. So it was a great opportunity doing this podcast to see these tiny little errors and stuff that I never caught before. And I'm just so excited to go through the rest of all these episodes I'm super familiar with and find some other errors that I've never noticed. This episode spawning a lot of classic Aqua Teen quotes. And with a tight story, I'm going to have to give it four hair dryers out of five. I think it's a very strong episode. Not one of the best of the season, but definitely towards the top. So that's it for me, guys. I mean, yeah, it's fun to do this, this Christmas episode so close to Christmas. I'll talk to you guys before Christmas, but regardless, have a Merry Christmas or whatever you celebrate. It's, it's cool that we got to do this episode in December. And yeah, if you'd like to reach out to me, tell me your rating on this episode, what you thought about this episode, feel free to hit me up on Twitter or Instagram at Aqua Pod. Otherwise, head to dancingisforbidden.com for any other links and all that good stuff. And if you like the show, if you appreciate the show, please consider signing up on patreon.com slash dancing is forbidden to help support the show so I can continue upgrading things and you know invest more into the podcast if you would like to help the show but can't afford to support it financially just sharing it on whatever platform you're on helps a lot or telling other Aqua Teen fans that you know about it helps a lot all the success I have in this show is thanks to you guys who have who have shared it and gotten it into other Aqua Teen fans ears so thank you guys that's it for me. I'll see you next week when we discuss Cybernetic Ghost of Christmas past from the future. Take it easy.
1: Santa Claus it don't need
2: school, don't want
0: on the
3: sauce.
2: Just say smith again, it don't matter. None of this matters.